Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us this weekend. It is Mother's Day weekend, and we do want to wish all of you moms a very, very happy Mother's Day. I hope that your weekend is filled with uh, more blessings than you could imagine or count. Well, uh, before we jump into our teaching series, and I do believe uh, you will find, Mom, you'll find this series encouraging and strengthening. And uh, before we do jump into our teaching, though, I do want to mention this resource called the Version. If you haven't discovered it yet, it's an absolutely free app, all kinds of translations of the Bible. You can search by topics, money, sex, power, relationships, just about any area of interest. If you search for it, you'll find out what the Bible has to say about it. And if you open the drop-down menu in the lower right-hand corner, under events, search for Arlington FM, you'll find a complete set of notes for this message. Uh, also, want to reference our podcast content. When you're in your podcast player, again, search for Arlington FM Church, and there you'll find all of our teaching content. Well, we are in a series uh, called Quality Relationships, and uh, it's based on this uh, belief that every good thing that God wants to release into our lives comes through the quality of our relationships, the quality of our connections with God and with each other. You know, just about every uh, research study that's done on human happiness uh, points to this one reality, uh, that the one thing, uh, time after time, that makes people truly happy in this life, it's not wealth, it's not achievement, it's not success. Uh, over and over and over again, it comes down to the quality of our relationships. If our lives are filled with deep and meaningful connections, uh, lo and behold, we discover happiness. And uh, last week, uh, as we got into this series, uh, we asked this question, is religion good for relationships? And uh, unfortunately, many times, uh, the answer to that question is no, uh, that religion uh, actually is a detriment. Uh, to uh, the kind of relationships that produce life and health in us. And so uh, we kind of went to a, a more personal form of that question, and it was this, is my spirituality good for my relationships? And, uh, you know, where we landed is uh, if you are a follower of Christ, uh, you better be able to answer that question, yes, uh, that uh, because to follow Jesus Christ is to live in his greatest commandment, which was that we would love one another and experience uh, God's blessing in our relationships. Uh, you know, we also looked at this amazing uh, picture, uh, the glimpse that the prophet Ezekiel had of a, a river of life that, that flowed out of the, the temple, the meeting place, the place where God's people communed with God. And he saw this incredible uh, picture of what was first a trickle of water, then became ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then a river so wide he couldn't swim through it. And uh, as Ezekiel looked back upon this flow of life that came out of the meeting place, everywhere it went, it produced abundance uh, through the dead and the dry places. Even the salt water became fresh and a marvelous picture of the kind of resource that flows out of the quality of our connection with God. And uh, so, uh, you know, here's the truth. Uh, if we live in that connection uh, with Jesus Christ, that river of life flows out of our hearts. And so we, we kind of focus on these three realities. 
We can have that kind of relationship with Christ if we live in the affection of Jesus, if we welcome the correction of Jesus and allow us to uh, allow him to teach us how to live. And then we walk, we actually do the things, we walk in the direction that Jesus gives us. Well, I, I wanna uh, ask you another kind of a searching question about the quality of our relationships. And uh, it's this, if your heart were full, would it be easier for you to get along with people? Uh, think about that for a moment. If your heart were full uh, of good things, of joy, of confidence, of well-being, of uh, you know happiness, would you? Uh, would it make it easier for you to get along with people? Uh, would coming from a disposition of fullness be different than coming uh, into relationships from a place of neediness? And uh, I think what you're, I hope you're beginning to think is, uh, well, of course it would. You know, if my heart were healthy, it would seem like that would play out in my relationships. And uh, so uh, here's a, a quote from a, one of my mentors that I live with. It's one of those uh, realities about life. Uh, here, here's the quote. He said, uh, every step towards health is an act of love. Uh, every step we take uh, towards our personal, spiritual, emotional, relational health, it's an act of love. And he said, first of all, towards God, because we're created in the image of God. And God intended for us to grow into his maturity. And uh, in case you didn't know it, uh, ill health, sickness of heart is not the maturity of God. And so every step towards health is an act of love toward God. It's an act of love toward others because uh, we bring health into our relationships. We bring positivity into our interactions with others as we move more towards health ourselves. And finally, uh, it's an act of love towards ourselves. Uh, you know, when we truly value uh, who God has created us to be, we want to become uh, all that he intended for us. And so, you know, the, the title of this message uh, could be uh, loving beyond the hurt, because it really is kind of the uh, the direction that I believe God wants to take us away from pain and brokenness and into health, uh, not only in our inner world, but in our relationships with one another. And uh, to really lay the foundation for this message, you have to go back to the beginning, the beginning of the story of human relationships, which we find in the book of Genesis, uh, where God created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them. And then he, uh, he created humankind, first Adam in his image, then Eve. And after every aspect of his creation, God made this declaration, it is good, it is good, it is good. In fact, when he, when he uh, consummated his creation with Adam and Eve created in his likeness, uh, he made the proclamation, it is very good. And so uh, we come uh, to that place where uh, God's crowning achievement, humankind and his likeness have been created for relationship with himself and with one another. And we read the summary statement at the end of Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Here's what it says. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, uh, that's, a, that's a symbolic statement as well as a, you know, a literal uh, proclamation of, of their state, 
not only were they without clothes, but the, uh, the fact that they were without shame indicates uh, that they were connected, they were transparent, they were intimate, they were open, they were engaged with each other, and there was nothing uh, that separated them, uh, no nothing that came between them. And that, well, we all know, if you know the story, uh, after that classic statement came something called the fall. And uh, in the fall, uh, everything changed. And uh, when Adam and Eve uh, broke relationship with God, uh, the fallout was incredible. In fact, we look around at all the heartache and chaos in the world today. It came from that one moment. And uh, very quickly, what you see is that there was a, a breach in relationship, first with God, then with one another. And uh, as God uh, comes uh, seeking uh, fellowship, relationship with Adam and Eve after they had uh, eaten from the tree, they were told not to. Uh, Adam and Eve went and hid. Uh, we're told that they realized that they were naked and uh, they ran and they hid from God and God sought them out. Uh, he said, Adam, where are you? Adam said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. And you know, suddenly there's this very disparate, dis different disposition about themselves and about God. And uh, God asked him the question, well, who informed you? Uh, of your nakedness? Uh, how did your mindset change so dramatically? And uh, Adam begins to express uh, his brokenness of heart in this way. He says, the woman you put here with me, uh, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then God uh, asks Eve, what's up? Uh, what is this you've done? And the woman said, it was the serpent that deceived me. And uh, you know, what a dramatic change. We've gone from this idyllic relationship with God and his good creation, this intimate connection with each other, and all of a sudden there's distance from God, uh, there's uh, uh, excuse making, there's hiding, uh, there's a distance from one another, there's blaming one another, and uh, all of these uh, came out of uh, their breach in their relationship with God. Uh, they fell away from intimacy with God. They fell into fear, into distance, into discord, into suspicion, into blaming, into hostility, and into heartache. You know, uh, someone once summarized uh, this incredible event uh, in this way. They said that the fundamental fears that damage all relationships actually emerged from this scene in the garden, and uh, they pointed at these fears. My fear of exposure makes me distant, uh, both from God and people. My fear of disapproval makes me defensive against those I uh, should trust the most. My fear of losing control makes me demanding of others. And uh, see, uh, this, is, this is significant because it touches on uh, really the damage done to all of our relationships. You could say it like this. Our distance from God is lived out in our division from and our discord with one another. Our distance, uh, that, that loss of uh, uh, vital connection with our creator is lived out in our relationships with each other, both uh, shows up in division from 
and discord with one another. And, uh, you know, that is why relationships are hard. Uh, there's no longer this sense of uh, open trust and transparency. There's now all of the leftovers uh, from the garden. In, in case you didn't realize that uh, this is our heritage. Uh, we're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. It's in our DNA. And the same things that led to distance and discord with them from God, from one another, we have to contend with. And it's not easy. It's not easy to overcome the brokenness that was introduced in the fall of humankind. Uh, I love the, the scene of Jesus after he'd been with his disciples for three years. He's now preparing them uh, to do life without his physical presence. And he says, a new commandment I give you, uh, that you would love one another. And uh, Peter, as always, is kind of the representative disciple uh, he, he begins to connect the dots. He, he sees that Jesus is leaving them. He's not going to be with them anymore. And uh, in replacement of that, he gives them a new command that they would love each other the way that he has loved them. And as Peter looks around at the motley crew surrounding him, uh, he begins to wish there were other options. And he says, Lord, why can't I go with you? I'm ready to die with you. And uh, I think we can all relate to that. Uh, sometimes it feels like it would be better to lay down our lives for Jesus than to have to lay them down for one another. And uh, all of those issues that Adam and Eve wrestled with uh, come into play in our own relationships, our defensiveness, our uh, projection of our issues onto God and onto others, our self-protection, our isolation, our tendency to try to validate ourselves and make excuses for our behavior. You know, I was uh, thinking about this reality that we all bring into our relationships, and I was reminded of something one wise pastor once said to young, uh, young adults in his congregation. He said, you know, one of the best things, one of the best wedding gifts you can give uh, to your future spouse is to clean out your own closet. And uh, what he was talking about is uh, deal with your stuff. Uh, deal with the issues that, you, that we all have uh, in our distance from God, in our discord, in our uh, division uh, from people. Uh, one of the best things you can bring into a lifelong relationship is to do a lot of the inner healing work before you ever say, I do. And uh, really, it brings us back to our original question. If your heart were full, would it be easier to get along with people? And uh, I really want us to, to ponder the reality of that. If our hearts were not so broken and damaged, would we have a better time getting along with people? And I think we all know the answer is yes. You know, a popular author named Brenny Brown, uh, one of her, uh, one of her uh, linchpins of her uh, perspective is... Uh, she says, we can come into our relationships either feeling that we are enough and therefore we come from a posture of uh, being able to give or we enter relationships as being not enough, being overly needy. And our perspective then is, what can we take? What do we need to get out of this in order to be satisfied with this relationship? And uh, I really believe that uh, Christ is calling us uh, to a different sort of uh, 
generosity of heart, and it really comes down to this. Uh, how do we learn to live uh, beyond our brokenness? Uh, can we find a way to live beyond our offenses and uh, come into relationships uh, with a fuller heart? Well, I happen to believe that's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of what Jesus Christ did for us uh, on the cross, is uh, he gave us the ability uh, to have a different relationship with God that is based on uh, his making our hearts full. And uh, out of that fullness of heart, being able to be generous of spirit in our relationships with one another. Listen to how Paul begins to address uh, this reality of our salvation. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Now, now that's an amazing statement. Uh, he's saying, look, all the brokenness that impacts the quality of our relationships with God and with each other, when you put your hope in Jesus, all of that was covered. Uh, all of that was atoned for. And God gave you a new ability to be in relationships out of a fullness of heart. Love some of the other translations of that statement. In Christ, you've been brought to fullness. In him, you were made full. You have been filled by him. In him, you have been made complete. Makes me think of the Jerry Maguire line, you complete me. Well, that's actually true of Christ. In him, our hearts have been made complete. You are filled with God through your union with Christ. And we say, well, how in the world does that work? You know, how do we, uh, how do we actually recognize and accept and live in the fact that though we still have pain and heartache and hurt, somehow we've been made complete, our hearts have been made full, and uh, we can enter every relationship uh, as having more than enough to be generous in that relationship. Well, uh, Paul describes in the rest of Colossians chapter 2, we're not going to read through it. I encourage you to go back and your you version, read it on your own. But uh, Paul describes a number of uh, really heady theological truths, uh, things that happened the moment we said, yes, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross was for me. I want that. I want, to, I want to experience the forgiveness of sins. Well, hold on, because uh, in rapid fire, here are some of the things the Apostle Paul addresses that happened when we, the moment we believe that allow us to live beyond broken. He says this, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised with Christ, that, that somehow God removed that part of us that is a relationship killer. Think of all the things that sprung up in Adam and Eve the moment they fell out of relationship with God. Uh, Paul says, when you said yes to Jesus, that was put off from you. You were buried with him in baptism, and you were raised with him. You've become entirely new. He says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive, and uh, he forgave all of our sins having canceled the debt completely. Uh, what's Paul saying? Well, you can sum it up like this. Uh, you no longer have to live 
from a deficit. There's no relationship uh, you enter into where you have to uh, take the needy route, uh, take the less than route, uh, accept uh, brokenness as part of your deal. Uh, Paul is saying, look, when you said yes to Jesus, God did some very significant things. Uh, the removal of your old nature, uh, putting away the body of death, burying you with Christ, raising you to newness of life, forgiving you of every offense you ever committed against God. Well, here's the message that comes out of that. We can live beyond our brokenness and our offenses. We don't have to carry uh, all of those uh, those uh, aspects of our dark side into our relationships. That's why Jesus alone uh, could say these words in Luke chapter 6. He says, look, as you relate with people, don't judge others, and you'll not be judged. Don't condemn people, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, turned, uh, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use and how you relate to others, it will be measured back to you. Well, this is uh, an amazing truth. You know, we, we can leave behind the things that make relationship uh, producers of our greatest pain. We can leave those attitudes and actions behind and embrace a whole new way, a generous way of engaging in our relationships with others because in Christ our hearts have been made full. And that's exactly where Paul goes in his letter to his friends in this church in Colossae. Uh, he begins chapter 3 with some amazing, amazing words. He says, look, uh, since then you've been raised with Christ. Uh, you can say no to the things that are harmful in your relationship with people. He says, uh, uses words like put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, it, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, you used to walk in all these ways. It used to be the, the way that you did relationship with people. But now he says you must rid yourself of all these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Uh, Paul is saying, look, because we've come to fullness in Christ, we don't need to extract uh, things from people that we think we need to be happy. Now, Paul is essentially saying, stop using people and start living uh, out this generosity that Christ has poured into us. Uh, see, a heart that is full is able to say no to things that are destructive in our relationships. And uh, I would say it like this, though we all struggle to let go of these uh, negative attitudes and actions, we all struggle uh, to ditch uh, the negatives uh, in our relationships with people. The fact that it's common to all of us doesn't mean that these things are not lethal to our relationships. Uh, and see, uh, the kinds of behaviors that Paul just listed are relationship killers. You know, there's a, there's a research uh, group at the University of Washington. It's called the Gottman Institute. And uh, I think they're just phenomenal in uh, the things they, they don't claim to be uh, therapists, what they claim to be is uh, relationship researchers. 
and they observe uh, the kind of interactions that happen uh, between people, mostly couples, that build up their relationship and they observe the kind of things that tear down the quality of their relationship. And uh, they've identified what they call relationship killers. And uh, there are four of them. Uh, they are criticism, uh, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And just uh, ponder those for a second. Uh, in observing thousands of couples interacting, uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours with each of these couples, uh, these are the things that uh, came to the surface that destroy meaningful connections with people when we have a spirit of criticism, when we view others who disappoint us with a sense of contempt, uh, when we take a posture that uh, people can hurt me, and so I have to live defensively uh, in my interactions with them, and finally uh, just shutting ourselves down, stonewalling, cutting ourselves off from others that we ought to be close to. And, uh, you know, Paul kind of sums up uh, this aspect of living out our fullness. He says, look, uh, when we're in fu the fullness of Christ exists in our hearts, uh, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Oh, what's he saying? He's saying we can be so full of the love of God expressed to us in Christ that our divisions from people melt away. It no longer matters. People don't share our views, our perspectives. They don't meet our expectations. That's not the basis of our interaction with them. The basis is our experience of fullness in Christ. Uh, you know, one of the other observations that the Gottmans have made in observing uh, thousands of marriage relationships, uh, and I think this is one of their most precious insights, uh, they say this, uh, relationships flourish in a rich environment of positive interaction. Uh, relationships, uh, the, the way that God created us uh, to enjoy, to be blessed in our interactions with others, is that they flourish in a rich environment of positive interaction. This was so true as the Gottmans observed uh, couple after couple is that uh, when dealing with conflict, what they found is that the couples who did well, who got through their differences and moved on to deepen their relationship, is they had a ratio five to one positive to negative interactions, that for every negative perspective, thought, comment, they had five positive ones. And uh, that was in uh, dealing with conflict, uh, but just in life in general, they found that the couples who did well, their normal day-to-day -day interaction, that ratio was 10 to 1. Uh, 10 positive interactions for every one single negative one. And uh, what it points out is how God has designed us. We are designed to flourish in a rich environment of positive interactions. And that's exactly where Paul goes in the rest of Colossians chapter 3. He says in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, these are positive interactions. Uh, he says, bear with each other. Uh, 
and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He goes on to describe this rich environment of positive interaction. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the let gratitude be the air that you breathe. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and encourage one another with all wisdom uh, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is amazing. Uh, I'm hoping you're getting this. Uh, Paul is describing the kind of environment that all of our interactions uh, with our spouses, with our children, with our neighbors, with our fellow uh, fellowship, people of faith, all of them should take place in this rich environment of positive interaction that he has just described. And uh, it's really an invitation uh, to live beyond the offenses uh, of our heritage, uh, live beyond the garden and all the, the breakdown that we saw in intimacy with God and one another, and uh, to move forward into the fullness of life that Christ has made available to us. You know, uh, someone wrote a book a few years ago. Just the title uh, speaks to my heart. Uh, the title of the book is Live Like You've Never Been Hurt. Uh, that's a profound uh, invitation. Live with each other like you've never experienced heartache or brokenness or pain or despair, defensiveness, hostility, bitterness, that uh, it's an invitation uh, to live beyond those realities. And uh, I ask myself, uh, how is that even possible? How is it even possible? You know, it's uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And we, we can almost take that as a point of relational wisdom, but the, the Bible is inviting us to live beyond the negativity and to bring great generosity into our interactions with others. Uh, I was uh, baffled when I saw the idea of living beyond hurt. Uh, this woman, uh, Jackie Brosma, uh, she lost one of her legs to a very rare form of cancer. And just this week, uh, she set a world record. Uh, Jackie actually ran uh, 101 marathons in 101 days. That's uh, 26.3 miles every day for 101 days uh, straight. Uh, I know if I ran one marathon, it would be 101 years before I ran another one. And uh, then this other uh, fellow, Hugh, her, uh, he lost both of his legs from the knee down when he was 18 years old. He got lost in the wilderness, uh, suffered severe frostbite, and uh, he went on not only to resume his rock climbing career, but uh, he gained uh, graduate de degrees in physics from MIT, uh, another graduate degree from Harvard, and uh, he now uh, develops uh, high-tech prosthetics that allow people to regain their freedom of movement. And uh, someone asked him the, what I thought was a silly question, uh, do you ever regret losing your legs? 
And uh, he said, you know, when it first happened, I thought my life was over. Uh, but now uh, I don't regret it at all. And uh, you talk about the ability uh, to live as though you've never been hurt. You know, as impressive of the, as those examples are, uh, I find it even more impressive when someone's been hurt emotionally, when someone's experienced great loss uh, because of the breakdown in relationships, uh, how they could actually overcome that and live as though they had never been hurt. I had the privilege of traveling to India several years ago, and uh, in Mumbai, one of our uh, one of our day activities was to go visit what was called a safe house. And uh, in that house, uh, it was filled with uh, young women, girls, uh, who had been rescued from human trafficking situations. And uh, you know, these, uh, these women and young girls uh, had lived a nightmare, a living hell. They'd been nabbed off the streets. In some cases, a, a eight-year-old girl uh, waiting for her mom to come out of the store was nabbed by a guy on a motorcycle taken off into uh, becoming a, a sex slave, uh, being the, uh, the object of some sick person's uh, twisted desire. And uh, that became their living hell. And uh, as we went into this safe house uh, filled with these uh, women and girls who'd been rescued from that sort of situation, uh, I was amazed at the sense of grace and beauty that was upon that home uh, coming from the lives of those people as they were learning uh, to begin to value themselves again. They were learning to trust other humans again. They were learning to experience the love of God perhaps for the very first time. And I thought, you know, when, when you hear the, the call, live as though you've never been hurt, I think of those dear people and the grace that was poured out that allowed them to experience a real intimacy and trust and the kind of relationships that bring fullness into our lives. And I realize there's hope for all of us before we pray. Just a reminder, uh, John, the beloved disciple, uh, wrote these wonderful words. Uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love as we've experienced in Christ drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we want to just celebrate the love that you have for people. Uh, thank you for the, the, the goodness that is in your heart toward us as you created uh, humanity, it created this beautiful world and creation that you placed us in. Uh, you said it was very good. And uh, we want to acknowledge that, God, uh, the, the heartache, the pain that's in our lives isn't because of you, it's because of us. And uh, Lord, thank you uh, today for the invitation to live beyond our brokenness, to live beyond our offenses, that in Christ our hearts can be made full again. That perfect love that we experience from you can drive out our fear in relationships. And I would pray right now, Lord, for all of us, uh, as we, we really want to, uh, we want to live out of that quality relationship we have with you. We want that to be expressed in all of our relationships. And so I pray for your wisdom, that you empower us, that your grace would heal us where we're afraid, where we're in hiding, where we're living defensively or offensively. Lord, give us the intentionality, say no to those things, to put to death those relationship killers 
And Lord, to open up uh, to your will that we would uh, conduct all of our relationships in a rich environment of positivity, being thankful for a good God who loves us so completely. We pray that in Christ's mighty name. Amen.